It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. So glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Is that Bachman Turner Overdrive? Who is that? It is. Look at you. It is episode 59 of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, available in audiobook, hardcover, paperback, just like the Beatles. A lot of music references early on for 5-9. And uh, your producer, Ken Levicka, voice of the FAULs, he selected Jack Ham. That's I'm a, old school. I'm going to go with the old school. That's it's, old it, it's interesting. school. I spoke, yes, speaking of tell me something good. Tell us something good, Stevie. I, I spoke yesterday to a, um, a a class at the University of Miami that was built around the book. Mm-hmm. And it is mostly made up of student athletes. So a mm-hmm. bunch of football players, a couple of basketball players, some baseball players, and Nobody knew the song, Chuck. Nobody knew Tell Me Something Good. Nobody knew it at all. Yeah, it's so a generational like, thing. I'm old. Yeah. Uh, speaking of old, an old friend of yours, and I don't mean old in age, I mean your bond together. Uh, this is a guest today that you've known for a very long time. The fruit of life is uh, who you know, how long you know him, mm-hmm. and how lives intersect. I'm excited to have my friend Ed McCluskey here. He's uh, a super friend of mine for a really, really, really long time. We have a great story of how we met. You okay if I jump in and do it? Perfect. Okay. Um, well, actually, I prefer you do it. It's, yeah, why don't you tell us? You're the guest. Why don't yeah. we get it through your lens? Ed McCluskey, <laughs> a financial advisor, Northwest Mutual. Uh, you've known Steve for quite some time, but this goes back to when uh, you guys first merged, I guess, uh, forces or, or aligned forces, should yeah, I say. Yeah, that, that's when our paths first clashed, if you will. Right. They, what about was that? That was about 25 years ago. At least, yeah. Um, and I'm um, honored to be here today, and it's uh, so real uh, <laughs> to sit here with Steve after we were young men. In fact, I think Steve even had hair back then. I think I might have had some hair 25 years ago. I think he did. We all did. Yes. Yeah, so at the time, Steve was doing a lot of radio advertising with a specific cellular company he was running, mm-hmm. and we loved the ads. I was in a family business. My dad and I loved the ads that he was he loved doing. Like his energy, his vibe, the, the way that he made himself a personality, like Crazy Eddie. Yes. That kind of a deal. It, it was shock yep. radio at its finest, <laughs> early shock on, advertising. Early, early Gorilla. Yeah. Gorilla. Gorilla marketing to, to the finest. Well, it grabs attention. It's memorable and compelling. Yes. Right? Absolutely. It was so Absolutely. So I called Steve and said, hey, would you mind sitting down um, we had lunch, actually. Uh, you probably don't remember Brothers, which was a oh deli in Palmer. Yep. I would yep. not have remembered yep. that. Yep. But now I do, yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, your uh, dad is such a cool dude. Yes. So you sat down for lunch. And uh, he said, said, Steve, would you mind teaching us what you're doing on the radio uh, to get your message across? Because we need to do and want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the business you were in at the time. It was uh, electronics and appliances. Mm-hmm. Uh, very competitive. You're not going to say the so, name? No, no names? Uh, Standard Brands of America. Standard Brands of America. There are some of the audience that's going to resonate with... Well, they got to be old, too. Then. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Hey, man, Standard that's, Brands of America. That's the new young. That was the, <laughs> that, was the, that was the company. That was family yes. business. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Steve, uh, Steve agreed to help us out. And at the time, Joe Rose um, 
Wushuzen, who's on, uh, I think. Bob Wushuzen. Bob Wushuzen. Right, yeah. doing some play, local yeah. uh, uh, advertising for us. So, um, Joe Cephalo was on yes. back then. Hank Goldberg. I mean, that was a He's great the old school of Miami sports radio. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Quarter yes. century ago. Yes. So, um, it, it was it was a lot of fun back then because uh, Joe Rose would get on air and talk about Steve running around the Miami arena at the time where the Panthers were playing, mm-hmm. um, running into the, the bathroom and selling cell phones while he was waiting in line to use the restroom. And then all of a sudden he would have me selling big screens with Steve and trying to close deals right there uh, in the men's room. So it was just it was just a lot of fun and broke uh, – you know, broke through a lot of barriers. Yeah, you know, a c- couple of things that, you know, we've talked about since that time is that, you know, the my openness to share and teach somebody else how to do it, mm-hmm. it's not common. You know, it's one of the things I see, you know, people hoard their what they know, and it's not, it wasn't really my gift. It was a gift that I wanted to share. And so doing it with him became fun. It gave us double the exposure um, we wound up doing lots of promotions together. Really? So it was just a neat time when, you know, people were not doing strategic partnerships. They did not sell phones. No. I did not sell, you know, big screen TVs and right. appliances. Right. Perfect. You know, the same customer walked in the door. I could offer them more. And so we shared so much. But all of those things happened from chemistry, which we had great chemistry in the beginning. You know, life changes. I move on from the phone business. He moves on from that business. Mm -hmm. He gets into the financial world. We stay in touch, but not really close. And then somehow life brings us back together. What's what's great about Steve is um, you could not talk to him for two years. And then all of a sudden you pick up the phone. Where you left off? Yes. I mean, it's like we we didn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we just saw each other yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Talked about uh, challenges we faced. Um, and we just had great communication, but never really got back working together like we once did until recently. Until just now. Yeah, we're starting. Uh, we, we've built a nice program where I think, uh, you know, my role is uh, different than our friendship, you know, back then. It's much more of uh, an accountability guy. I mean, this guy's the top of his game. Mm-hmm. We sat down and started learning what he's done, what he's achieved, who he's achieved it with. And he has this yearning to be better, which I love. You know, I almost think about, like, I want to create a Hallmark card that says, do you want to get better? <laughs> you don't have to be sick. Well, if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. Yeah, that's right? the challenge. Yeah, that's what, what tends to happen. So, you know, we had this dialogue. And, and, you know, what's your perspective of how we moved from friendship to, you know, where we are? Initially, uh, Steve invited me to a presentation he was giving on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And, oh, know, that's right. I just yes. invited you. Yes. <laughs> and and didn't even know I was there because I, I was a little bit late, and he was giving the presentation, and I sent him a text message later in the day, and I said, wow, that that was extremely relevant. I'm, I'm like the old guy with the white-gray hair in the corner <laughs> office that, you know, the millennials, I don't really understand, and I don't really understand the new way to market. Uh-huh. And, and I called Steve and said, I, I think I'm missing something here. I think you can really help me uh, get to, to be on the ball, if you will, in, in, in my game. And uh, he said, sure, let's sit down. Let's talk about what your goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see how I can help out. Uh, and let's uh, put some parameters in place. Um, but y- you have to know you've, you've got to be accountable. And, and I'm counting on you to be accountable. And you're not going to take our friendship um, lightly, in fact, um, 
<laughs> I'm going to be a little bit tough on you. So Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So well, that, I have to lay the ground rules out, which I do with any of the clients I work with. And say, listen, you know, it's good to be friends, but if I'm your friend, I'm not doing what you want me to do. I need to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. Exactly. The emperor's new clothes. Yeah. They don't work here. You know, uh -uh. this is, you know, the, uh, what, what you find is in, in any great, um, any great team, any great athlete, any great business, um, the accountability lines are very clear. Yeah. We can go after five o'clock and have a beer and which we're going to do today, maybe, and, you know, with late St. Patrick's Day, which we weren't able to do, um, maybe birthday celebration, which was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, unless those lines are very clear and that was a lesson I learned early on in my own business where, you know, I felt like I wanted to be friends with all the people that I worked with mm -hmm. and who were my direct reports. And that's not a, a good place to be. It, you know, that's, that does not produce the desired result. There are roles, is, there are boundaries, there's yeah. accountability. And somebody's got to be the bad guy. And somebody's know? once in a while got to be the bad guy. And so, you know, I see things about, you know, what, what Ed does on a daily basis. I see things, what other professionals do. I see it differently. That's my gift. That's what I'm capable of doing. And when you get to do it for a friend, it's a whole different perspective because I, I really like him and admire him and want him to be the best he can be. But when you actually do it, it's like, oh, God, we're going to get right. into some tough <laughs> Yeah, because sometimes you have to tell people those things that they need to hear and know that they may not have been hoping to have to hear from you. Right, Ed? Yes. I mean, exactly. that's the nature of that beast. Exactly. And, I, and I've heard it a few times. So um, you guys have a you know a shared spirit of entrepreneurship, but that's pretty much the theme of this book and the guests in this podcast has always been the case. Um, I'm told to ask you about your entrepreneurial upbringing back in the day at Standard Brands. Yes, so I, I think uh, actually it was uh, my dad taught me a long time ago when uh, he was in retail for a long time. Um, whenever I went in to work with him, I was always uh, cleaning the trash cans, cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> taking mm -hmm. trash outside, mm -hmm. um, and, and my dad always made me work, and even when I graduated from college, when I came back home to, to come into the family business, I know I suffered from uh, nepotism, mm -hmm. um, but my dad wanted to make sure that nobody could say I didn't work harder than anybody else that was in there, and, and there wasn't any bathroom I couldn't clean or um, any warehouse I couldn't uh, help that was the message that that's the message he wanted to send to all of the other employees but he right. also wanted you to send that message to the employees it's not on the boss's kid guess what I'm doing exactly we wouldn't ask anything of you people that we're not doing ourselves correct you know to, to me when I grew up in that er in that era my grandfather was the one who you know laid down the rules and he broke my balls I mean he made it really really hard harder than anybody else with the mindset that I'm going to break you and every time I break you, you'll stand up stronger. And so right. that old school mentality doesn't fly anymore. HR gets in the way, <laughs> you know. Well, there's a different moral system. I mean, recently in the news, you've got these high profile actresses uh, that aren't the only ones, but lots of these parents that are bribing and scheming to get their kids into certain schools, certain programs. But we've seen, you know, in Manhattan, kickbacks and bribes to get these kids into a prestigious kindergarten. Yeah. Because the parents want to have, well, my uh, child goes to the so-and-so school. There's something to that. There, there, a lot of this is lost in the generation. Your granddad or your dad to you, and then in your dad saying, uh-uh, uh, you're going to work even harder than the next guy uh, because I happen to have worked my way to become the boss. That's the message that needs to be sent. Right? You know, this whole thing that, that just transpired, you, to your point, it's not new. 
It's not you know, the, all of this stuff about privilege or whatever. People take advantage of what they can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Somebody's getting hurt along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's kind of in, in pecu- it's peculiar to me because I think somebody must have pissed somebody off because yeah. this one all of a sudden becomes yeah. the rage when yeah. it's really well. It's it, sexy when it, you know when it's some uh, wealthy man or woman you've never heard of. It's one thing, but when it's these famous uh, television and film actresses. That played those roles. Now it's a story. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, so we because having, of who it's happening to. We were having this conversation as it relates to business the other day. And, you know, there were days back back in the day when you wanted to do something with somebody. You'd say, hey, listen, if you do this, there's a trip to the Super Bowl. Right. Um, there's, you know, all other. Oh, your kid's going to get this. Right. And, you know, so there was all of that stuff that went on in the sales game mm-hmm. that for the most part has washed itself out. I mean, you can't even, you know, uh, selling things to doctors used to be really easy because mm-hmm. you throw these crazy parties and take them out to these crazy dinners. Right. Now there's a limit on what you can spend. Right. You know, in the medical space. And social a- media has created transparency and the ability Correct. for anyone to tell on anyone and make everything a thing. If you, you just never know. All that. You'd never Ed, know. you never uh, know. I understand you have rules as to why people fail. In fact, four we've indicated are isolated. Uh, you know why people fail. You, you know why they do. Can you begin with number yeah, one? Yes. But before I start, Please. I'd like to say one thing. My, uh, my parents have been very uh, good to me and my, my siblings. Uh, but the one thing I tell them all the time, they're in their 80s, is the most valuable gift that they gave me was a work ethic. Mm. And, and, and I think working with Steve has really affirmed that in my mind, that it's okay to work. And, and with working with Steve, at the end of the week, I come home tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I feel really good mm-hmm. because I, I've, I've attempted to do all that I could that, that week, um, and, and I feel great, and I can't wait to tell Steve when I get, get done with that week that, that you know his coaching has been immeasurable in, in, in my practice and what I want for my family. So, Oh, how about that? That's very nice. A nice little plug for me. I that's, guess. that's a really <laughs> well, thank nice you. plug. <laughs> People fail. Let's well, begin and, with work ethic. And, and, and I've been fortunate enough to mentor a lot of um, – uh, great, great individuals in my business, and and um, a lot have been extremely successful. And what I've noticed about those successful individuals and those that I've worked with, um, they have a great work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they come in, they know that it's not going to be a a forty hour week, if you will. They're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, you know, what's interesting about that is that you know from the experiences I've had with my kids coaching. Um, college athletes, there are super talented people that come in, mega talented. Mm-hmm. If they don't have work ethic, they generally don't make it to the next talent level. Talent ain't enough. I got a t-shirt. It's not enough anymore. I got a Nike t-shirt. This is you know? talent in the neon right. green. Right. And then in the matte finish that blends in with the color shirt, it's an ain't enough. Because that's the truth. I, I spent two weeks, you know, the past two weeks with my son, you know, and he's kind of shadowing me and he's like, holy shit, you work hard. And I go, I, I don't even think about it. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I've created the process. This is what I do. And what you find is all the great teams, all the great, they block and tackle all the time. But what is the drive behind that? Some people are afraid of a failure. Some people are just uber competitive and they want to beat everybody else. Some people want to strive for greatness or be considered, you know, amongst the greats of right. all time. So, I mean, you need your own. Like, what is the motivation behind yeah, what, your, what is your motivation? Was it to make dad proud? I think at first part it was uh, to make dad proud, and, and certainly in school he didn't want to come home with a uh, 
bad grade because you suffered. But why not, though? Are, are you going to get, are you going to get a, a beaten? I mean, uh, yeah? Okay. All right. My, my dad had a disease, and not sure if I can say it here. Yeah, of but course. If you came home with bad grades, you got the red-ass disease. Yeah. So you, you, you did not want that. Listen, so. pain is a, is a wonderful motivator. Pain is a motivating factor. It, it's it's why, mean, that's, why, got, that's why little kids no longer, you know, you get smacked on the bottom. Well, I don't, don't cross do the street again. without looking both ways. Again. <laughs> that's exactly right. right. That's why we do that. All right. So the work ethic. No. So, um, so talk to and, and I think, I think, uh, you know, beyond that, it's what you have to find out what your why is. What, why do you want to go through and jump through the hoops? Um, and, and why are you going to sacrifice? Why do you want to be disciplined? What, what does it look like at the end? Um, and, and Steve's been really instrumental in, in the last few um, coaching sessions we have with just, you know, what does it feel like when you accomplish this? Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Can you taste it? Can you smell it? And, and I think that really helps me um, get focused on, on why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because, you know, some of the tasks we do are innocuous you don't want to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, no normal, well-adjusted human being wants to face rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you can smell Which where you want to be, why we're not normal? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. salespeople are not normal, and you knew that when right. we started this show. Right, but but we've talked many times because I've always, you know, when I do the radio show that I do for my real job, and Ken, your producer here, is my co-host. He knows that I remind him constantly. It's not what people do; it's why. They do it. And a lot it's of people not don't you know do, the why. why. Because you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and you can do the wrong thing for the right reason. People go, I don't understand how that works. The motivation behind it, not only does the universe and karma and the Lord above all understand that and factor that in, but there are folks at charity events that I'm emceeing or hosting or attending, and they make a donation so they can stand up and wave and at their table, and everybody can see them, ooh, we made a big donation. And there's other folks that just quietly go about making an anonymous donation or mentoring or putting their hands and digging in to help because it is why we do what we do that matters so much more than just what it is that we do or accomplish. So I was fortunate. I, I got to hear Simon Sinek speak long ago at Nova Southeastern. I was on the Young Entrepreneurs Group, and he came and spoke, and his whole methodology was about Finding the why. Find great, the why. Great companies find the why, and mm-hmm. he's certainly great to listen to. But what I really, what I've noticed in all of my, uh, in my career path, is that the why can change. Of course it can. You know what? And I don't think people get that. I don't think they're, they're you know, they're stuck on. Well, this is why I did it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the th- the why I did things in the beginning are very different than the why. I mean, I was on a train almost the whole day yesterday getting to the University of Miami to work with that class, mm-hmm. and one of the kids asked me. <laughs> why are you here what 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 was the fear what was the what was behind it a- and i told him i go because i can <laughs> and he like because i can you know what a great answer i go i have something to offer that's why i wrote the book you know the i i didn't like the state of affairs so i can do it and i think for me it's the fact that i can do it that it would be a shame not to do it mm. I, I think we are aligned like that you, yeah. you're not we're not driven solely by financial means anymore, and you know I'm fortunate that I do well, but that's not why I do it. You know, that's, that's, an unfulfilling that's a byproduct. Life. Yeah, it's yeah. an unfulfilling life, right, Ed? Correct. Number two, uh, can't phone. What does that mean? Can't phone on so, the four reasons why people fail. So in in our business with which is marketing, uh, we we essentially have to call somebody, make an introduction, um, put ourselves out there, 
potentially face the rejection of somebody not wanting to have a conversation or meeting us in person. Mm -hmm. So I come across a lot of uh, former colleagues, if you will, that uh, were so afraid uh, of calling somebody and facing the rejection that they never really put themselves in play. Um, and, and they face the fear, and, and I think that fear is, uh, the acronym that I love is false evidence appearing real. I mean, we talk ourselves into um, a, a place where we, we, we don't even know if we're going to face rejection or not, and, and some people just won't even or don't even have the courage to pick up the phone and make that introduction. I just read a stat today that in the sales process, um, 92% of it comes down to the phone interaction. You know, at some point really? being able to, and I'll forward you the, the report because it talks about the power of voicemail, mm-hmm. you know, and the voicemail that you leave mm-hmm. and the voicemail that you have as people hear your voice. At some point, you're interacting on the phone and the power of that ability. And I don't think people really, you know, get that. And so when we were talking, and this was all straight through his dialogue, and I love that I can learn, he was like, you know, I find that the people that fail are the ones that can't phone. You can't have to, phone. have to be able to use the phone. You have to be able to have phone game. Yeah. And that means to get the folks on the line in the first place, engage them while they're on the line, and then be willing and wanting to meet with you in person so you can further develop and explore. So it's what you say, it's how you say it. Words matter. It, it, words matter, we know that. And then it's how you say it. If you get on the phone, hi, my name is Steven, I want you to call me back. <laughs> I was having a conversation via text message the other day with a young entrepreneurial female friend of mine who's in her mid-twenties, who built successfully by herself her own company that is flourishing. And it's not that revolutionary of an idea. It's her work ethic. It's her interpersonal skills. And as she's texting me this to help her get extra staff for this event Saturday, I, I just said to her, I'm armchair quarterbacking it. And I said, there's a difference in the terminology here about, uh, do you want to work this shift? And I said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, want is begging, is asking at Santa in the mall. And, and you know, and would you like, well, like is, you know, it's somebody's offering you, mm, like right. is free ice cream. So don't ask them if they want to work this shift. Ask them if they'd like this opportunity. Because opportunity sounds and feels different. I am extending to you that an opportunity is different than do you want to work this shift. And guess what? And t- the results take, follow. People take for granted the power of that inter, you know, that interlude. You know, and so certainly, you know, I, I write about it in the book about the best words in sales and, you know, your vocabulary definitely dictates, sure you does. know, your income. Of course you know, it no does. No doubt. It's certainly on the phone. So, so and Steve and I have been talking about how to be as interesting and relevant as soon as possible. Um, time is very short. And to, to be able to have a conversation in 11 minutes uh, to determine whether there's a, me- a reason to have the next meeting mm-hmm. um, or even schedule the next meeting and and what I've learned is asking this one question, uh, I can feel sometimes on the phone where that prospective prospect feels like I'm fighting for um, the appointment, if you will. Okay. And, and so I'll say it to him. Hey, listen, I feel that that you feel like I'm fighting for the appointment. You feel that, don't you? And and the prospect will say, Yeah, I feel like you're fighting for the appointment. And I say, Yes, I am. I am fighting for the appointment because if I don't believe in what I do. How in the world am I going to fight for you and your goals or your family's goals or your business goals? Mm. And, and so that, that really 
That resonates with you. That's your aha well, moment. Here. Well, you know, he he has broken down doors for years. He's one of the most respected people in the space, and it's a hard space because the first thing, knowing going into it, the first thing that someone's going to say on the other end of his dialogue is, I already have somebody. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. You know, I mean, there isn't anybody that doesn't have somebody. Right. So this is displacing somebody else. This is, you know, a lot of moving parts. And so people are very protective of that landscape. And so you know you're going into it. And so we've broken down. You know you're going in that their already objection is I have someone. So why in the world would I want to complicate my life and make the changes which to you? What's in that? Why am I incentivized to do that? Here's even the worst part is that you might potentially have to tell the person you chose that they're not good enough and and people just don't like that confrontation they don't you know so you know w- right or wrong mm-hmm. this is in every decision you make in your life if you want to get better you have to make change change is hard people don't want that people resist change you know, so we are creatures so in of a habit. sales place where you know and i i think his conversation is very compelling and different than some of the other people that I know in the space, they're not just commoditized what they do. It's still part of the phone game and still part of you know all of that uh, that stuff. So what about being not referable? People are, uh, they're failing because they're not referable. Right, so um, you get an appointment, you're going to show up either uh, on a phone call or you're going to show up in person, need to be on time. Um, you need to respect their time because you want your time respected. I think you need to look good, professional. Mm-hmm. You need to have a specific uh, presentation down. Um, needs to be succinct. We don't need to walk, you know, talk about the fish on the wall. If we right. if we go in there, we need to get down to business. Yep. Um, explain what we do, how it might benefit them, um, and and then uh, push the conversation to the next level. Um, so, I, I think if if you don't respect all those various tactics or items. Um, People don't want to refer you to somebody else. The guy was 30 minutes late. He, he looked disheveled. He didn't have his act together. So this is almost a self-examination where people have to say to themselves, am I referable? Would I refer me to someone else today? Correct. Okay. And, and it's the number one place to gain new business, yet it's the, the, the part of the process that most salespeople stay away from. They, they suffer from, you know, most of my business is referral. You know, and I love that. I've worked hard to get that, and I've earned the right that I get referrals from people who never bought from me, mm. which is fine. And that's mm. the other part of it. You know, if you're referable, that doesn't mean it only comes from people who have transacted with you. Yeah, they may not do business with you, but they may know people that are perfect Correct. for you to do business and, with. And that is part of the approach of saying, listen, I might not be a fit, because it's one of the words I use in, in the sales process. I'm going to tell you straight away, we might not be a fit. That's okay. Maybe somebody else you know I'm a fit for. I want you to understand what I stand for. That's what not referable stands for. Is like you put yourself in a position where people go, man, I'm really glad he left. <laughs> so <you> know, <laughs> That's a bad sign. But it happens all the time. If they're glad you left, you're probably not referable. Right. right. I, I would I, guess. I want, I want my clients or prospects to have good thoughts about me when I'm there. So when I call back to meet them again, mm-hmm. they, they think, uh, you know, great things. Gotcha. Think happy things. Fourth rule, fourth reason, Ed, why it is people fail, can't get referrals. Well, that sounds to me like is people, you know, are they failures because they can't get referrals or is it the other way around? It's it's a combination of both, but this is the most exciting part of uh, this last quarter working with Steve is really doing the research of who do I want to meet? 
who am I excited, who is my team excited that we want to go out there and meet, that we know we can bring value to the relationship, mm-hmm. that we know that particular individual will get a, a, a significant benefit, make a positive impact on themselves or their families. And so Steve has really taught me how to use LinkedIn and how to really target that, that particular prospect that I think we can help out the, uh, the best and, and we, I mean, we continue to do that. Well, you talk about session. the why, you know, I, th- I think some, you know, sometimes in the sales process, people are random, you know, prospecting is not a random activity. Referral is not a, you know, a random activity. No. If I have design on meeting somebody's, there's plenty of ways to get that referral and attract it. If you're, you know, you, you really make a system of it. And, and so, you know, the best part about what I get to do is that I get to get into different categories and see that, you know what, the same principles go across every single category. doesn't matter what product, price, or service. Mm-hmm. If you get good at, this, at the process, the results are there. Work the system, the system will return. That's it's, uh, you know, in, in for work ethic, Thomas Jefferson, the harder I work, the luckier I get. People say, oh, you're so lucky you get to. I go, yeah, well, I donated half my 20s, all my 30s, and that's why, you know, I missed a lot of weddings and a lot of this and that in people's lives experiences. So am I lucky or did I do the work? And now you are you willing to give up something Correct. to get what you want, oh. and that's a big question. Are no shortcuts of success? Everybody I work with, as you got to look yourself in the mirror. What are you willing to give up? Time, money, um, relationships, something you got to give it up. That's so, right. You know. uh, district director, financial advisor, Northwestern Mutual, and friend of Steve's for twenty five plus years. Ed McCluskey, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Jeff, thank huh? you very much. Had a great time. It's pretty cool, yeah, right? Awesome. <laughs> not thank terrible. You. You, you might be the only guy that came on with a tie, but uh, no, you're not Jerry the only guy with a tie. <laughs> there were, there's been at least three ties, <laughs> but I knew we were in for trouble when I walked in before the mics opened, and Steve said uh, the IRS is here <laughs> because I thought for sure, like, wait a minute, it, it's, possible. it's possible. Well, in my instance, it is, and I was like, well, this. So this is the guest for of the us. podcast. For all of us. Okay, great. Uh, Steve, we don't ask people how you're doing. Small talk instead. You like to project the positivity and get it from others. We ask them to tell us something good. So, so why don't you, you do that? So uh, the, the good news was is that, uh, you know, I like to le- listen, learn every single day. Last uh, Yesterday's experience with the, you know, student athletes was so great because the questions that they asked me made me know that they, you know, the next generation really does have something on the ball. And, and I spent a very good piece of time talking about gratitude and I am grateful for everything I am, everything I've become, everything I will become. And I'm most grateful for this Saturday is my grandson's third birthday. How about that? Bam. Well, happy third birthday in advance. Yeah, man. Attitude of gratitude, as I always say. If you think of and treat the people, opportunities, and things in your life the way that you did before you had them, you'll never have a problem. You, you, you know treat what? your wife like you did when you are trying to get her to go on that first date. 25 years in, you'll never have a problem. If you walk into work with the same attitude like you did the day you came in hoping to get that job, you'll never have a problem. It's a rule in the book. Act like it's your first day. Attitude because the things attitude. you do on the first day, you yeah. don't do now. People take shortcuts. Exactly there right. are no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to success. Ed McCluskey, thank you again. Thank you very much. Stevie, what do you say? Want to go for 6-0? 60? Who would have thought? Let's do it. Let's go for it. For Steve Nittleberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time for number 60 of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.